4: Ooh, you do
0: not have to say more to get me into this. To check it out, you can search Smart Money Happy Hour and listen wherever you get your podcasts.
5: It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Horton's new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. This
6: is Ben and Ashley I, Almost Famous, In-Depth.
4: Ashley and I are back uh, with another In-Depth episode of the Almost Famous podcast. Ashley, uh, I would say one of the highlights of this self-isolation process has been it kind of has forced us to get creative and uh, and start doing more in-depth, which is something that I know you and I both love doing.
0: Yeah, that was our goal, honestly. We were like, okay, this spring, in between Bachelor and Bachelorette yeah. season, let's do as many in-depth with as big Bachelor personalities
4: as we can. We've had a couple of them. Uh, before we bring on our uh, our guest today, which is uh, a name that uh, that we all know, uh, there has been a lot of kind of recent things happening with this person and this character. Ashley, I want to take a second to talk to you. I don't know if you've been getting, uh, many messages on social media. I'm sure you do. A lot of people lean on you for kind of emotional support. Uh, I've been getting a lot of message. You, if you're listening, you know who you are from people saying, Hey, they've really enjoyed the podcast. Or if they don't even mention the podcast, people out there telling me stories, uh, of pain, of confusion, of chaos in their lives right now, in the midst of the shutdown and the virus, um, I, I think we do it. We try to do it every podcast, but I think it's it's appropriate for you and I just to kind of take a second uh, and recognize that there's people out there really hurting, and to tell people and encourage everybody to start looking around them at, at people that are are feeling like outsiders, and maybe try to do something to help.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I know that people look to podcasts for like kind of friends when they don't have any around them. Yeah. So if that's how you guys are feeling about our podcast about any podcast that makes us feel so good Um, and yeah for as just like a tip to anyone who is feeling lonely. You may listen to our podcast, but, you know, listen to a humor podcast or listen to a girl talk podcast. It may make you feel make more part of a community at this point.
4: Yeah, it's it's interesting, Ashley. I've gotten a message today right before we got on. Uh, and I always get messages from people saying they're huge fans of you and and fans of you and Jared. But today I got one from somebody just saying, kind of telling me their story through a message of, of how much pain and, and difficulty they came through uh, during this time. And they feel alone. But here's the truth of it all. Uh, and I think our next guest can, it can verify this is the one thing about this quarantine that's been uh, that, that is uh, that is helpful to understand is we're all in this together. Like everybody is in isolation right now. Like if you feel lonely and you're at home and you're like, Mm -hmm. I haven't seen my friends in weeks, nobody likes me. You know, maybe you're starting to question like if anybody really cares about you, like you should be reaching out to people. You should be asking for help. But second is we're all alone right now like all of us are like i think a little bit pulling our hair out a little bit confused we haven't seen people in a while like you are definitely not alone we are in this together uh, this is a part of it
0: Yes, and uh, I just wanted to say thank you for sending my dad and all his coworkers at the hospital that sweet basket of gifts. Did they just get one it? Of the things that yeah, it's one of the things that makes them feel appreciated and you know, just those small little gestures can just warm somebody's heart. And mm. that I mean, that's not even a small gesture. What you did was amazing. So thank you so much. He got that today. Oh, it was sweet. so cute. Ben sent a package of coffee and uh, sweets and like a couple little crafty items it was really adorable. Thank you so much. I, I i don't know how he hasn't texted you yet. But he asked for your number earlier.
4: Awesome. Hey, well, that's it's a small thing to do for a lot of people sacrificing their lives on the front lines. Well, hey, uh, anyways, I just want to start that with that. Actually, I know you and I both have uh, have have shared uh, in our empathy and sympathy and also just our own kind of struggles uh, with being isolated and feeling a little bit alone. So I wanted to start with that. Uh, and I also want to start with it, Ashley, because our guest today is somebody that Bachelor Nation knows well, somebody that Bachelor Nation has uh, learned to, uh, just to be honest, to be confused by, to really get behind and love on, to also be very angry at, to kind of push to the side and then kind of invite back in. Like this this contestant has had, um, I, I think it's very f- fair to say, a roller coaster of a ride leading to this point in their life. And, and through all of this, uh, they've been very open about their struggles with mental health, uh, their struggles uh, with kind of anxiety and depression and panic, uh, some similar topics are probably what a lot of us are feeling, um, right now in this, in this kind of, uh, season that we're in, in life. Uh, but we're going to talk about all this today. It's going to be a wide array of topics. We're going to bring on our guest for this, uh, episode of the in-depth podcast, Blake Hortzman. Welcome to almost famous in depth.
6: Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. it be a fun time. I have been actually like it's Giving me something to look forward to because I've had a lot, <laughs> so it's been oh, kind of
0: thanks. Great. Yeah, Blake, are you quarantined alone?
6: So I am completely quarantined alone. The only person I've been seeing is uh my sister who's also quarantined alone, so we've been going, yeah, okay. yeah. But I Would am, you guys, I ever that. just
0: like become roomies or is that too much togetherness for you guys? Uh, she
6: well, she's working still virtually,
4: she's oh, t- okay,
6: so like she okay. goes home and teaches, but I see her on the weekends, yeah, yeah. so okay, that's been cool. good. But I don't have any pets or anything like that, so I'm pretty
4: alone. <laughs> well, let's yeah. just start with there. I mean, that's a great question, Ash. Blake, uh, a lot of people out there are going to be listening to this during the time of a shutdown. And, and who knows how long it will last at this point. Uh, how has it been for you? Like, You are alone in your house. You've, you, Obviously, life has slowed down a lot. We'll get to kind of what you were doing here in a second. But just in general, uh, process with us, what is it like to be locked into an apartment all alone?
6: Yeah, it is. uh, I mean, this is literally, I feel like this has never happened like in human history, anything like this. So we're all figuring out as we go. And I've actually, so I've been in a weird position the last two years. I'm a big routine guy. Mm -hmm. But the last two years, I haven't had anything even resembling a routine. So I've taken advantage of this last like month. Uh, I've gotten into a routine again, which has been kind of nice. I got myself a Peloton. So I've been riding that every day. Yeah, it's great. Riding that every day. Been working out. Uh, making music. I've been like picked up hobbies. I ordered a electric guitar which I got. I'm gonna learn to play that and then I used to play the sax as a kid. So I ordered a sax and I'm gonna learn to play that again. So Oh
0: very cool. Yeah
6: so picking up some new hobbies or not new hobbies maybe you know figuring out some old hobbies that I used to enjoy. So I'm trying to take advantage. I think most people should try and take advantage of this time right now as lonely or you know has and I know that's hard for some who have like kids. I can't imagine having kids right now. Uh, I can't out. imagine. I no. can't
0: imagine. And I've never been more thankful to not have kids yet.
6: <laughs> yeah, it would be very hard. I have some friends who have. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, they're struggling. So, um, but it's been cool too, real quick. I uh, I feel like right now, it's, so I know we're like all, everything's virtual and everything, but I talked to some friends I haven't talked to in 10 years. Have you guys heard of that like house party app or whatever that is? Have you guys yeah, heard about that? Yeah, definitely. So I was on my house party app the other night with college roommates I haven't spoken to. In like 10 years so it's crazy like it's kind of bringing us all together because you spoke to how everybody's in this together so it's kind of cool at the same time
4: hmm. it is.
0: that is cool i was talking to ben last week about it i was like i think i'd like like really enjoy 10 days quarantined alone but i think after that was would be when the lonely starts to hit but right. that's that's nice that you have your sister who pops in every now yeah, and yeah we
6: pop in everyone's well but i agree this was like cool Like the first like two weeks, now I'm like, oh boy, (laughs) got another month, maybe two of this.
4: (laughs) Well, one of the things, Blake, you know, just for anybody out there listening, Blake and I both live in Denver. Uh, We're good friends. Uh, When I'm back in Denver, which isn't often right now, uh, we do try to see each other when I'm back. One of the things that we've always talked about, I mean, really ever since you were on the show and I first met you was the transitions that this experience brings to you, right? You want to take advantage of the opportunities that present themselves. And, uh, you know, a lot of times it does open you up for new careers and, and new opportunities that you've never could have imagined, but you and I have both said, like you never want to lose yourself, uh, in the experience. And there was a moment in time that you felt like you were starting to lose yourself. You were so busy. You were traveling all the time. You were exhausted. I remember at one point I, I, we, you came over for a drink and you're like, I've been to, 12 different places in the last 7 days it was something ridiculous and wild yeah, i didn't really, even understand yeah. how it worked have this has this slowdown been hard for you to adjust to the the new pace or has it been refreshing are you healthier uh you know mental health is something you've always talked about like how is your mental health right now
6: yeah i think you re- used the right word i think it's been really refreshing actually because i was on a tear there at the beginning of the year i was was doing you know dj sets all over the country i was doing some appearances here and there and so i was definitely running on empty so this has been a bit of a blessing for, in disguise for me i i let my especially when paradise was airing uh i kind of let my health get away from me um you know i was in a bad spot uh and i gained like 15 pounds and i was just eating like crap i was in bed all the time didn't leave my apartment and i was i've been trying to get back in shape but this last like month um i've lost about 10 pounds lost about three percent body fat because i've just like been able to take the time for myself and hopefully a lot of people are doing that, trying to take this time, uh, you know, and really trying to figure out themselves and what, you know, what they can do to become healthier, whether it be mentally or physically.
7: Yeah.
4: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh blake uh again i want to throw it to ashley here she's gonna uh kind of take over from here but i appreciate your vulnerability i i think it's gonna be really helpful as this podcast continues is hearing your heart where your mind's at for anybody that they're listening that's going who the heck is blake hortzman uh he uh he's from colorado Uh, you you should definitely google him please as a friend, I would love for you to Google to him. Uh, what is be- Blake Horseman best known for? would be a great Google, Google search. Um, he was on Becca Kufrin's season of The Bachelorette. He was runner-up um, to her now-fiancé, Garrett, on Becca's season. He did fall hard for Becca. He had a lot of respect for Becca. I know that was a real relationship, and we'll talk about that uh, later on that lasted. Uh, he went on to season six of Bachelor in Paradise, where he dated, or I guess we should say have feelings for Tasha, Kalen, Christina, and Hannah G. Now, yes, that is what we know Blake for, but there's more to him than that. Uh, Blake, you grew up in Colorado. Describe your childhood.
6: Yeah, I grew up in the a uh, small mountain town here in Colorado. Uh, gradu- so I graduated with like 110 kids, so pretty small town. Um,
0: it's a really small yeah, town. And,
6: yeah, it's pretty small. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, these mountain towns, Colorado, are a little different because there's like huge, like area wise, but like there's not many people because everybody has huge lands and stuff. So it's kind of hard to describe if people who don't know kind of what the mountains look like. But um, yeah, I still like 500 kids, maybe 400 kids total in my high school. Uh, pretty small high school, uh, close to my family. Um, parents did get divorced, you know, when I was, what was I, 16, 15, 16. So that was hard, obviously, especially in a small town. I think it makes it a lot harder. Uh, and then from there, I went to uh, college in Nebraska. So also another small college uh, in the Midwest. Um, and then from there, I moved back to Colorado uh, after graduating there and lived in Denver now for about six years.
0: Did your parents' divorce have any effect on how you looked at relationships and love? Did you still want to get married at that point?
6: Oh, absolutely. So it had a weird effect on me because my parents definitely you know they had they were married very young um they were together gosh i want to say 18 years something something like that 18 years long time like it wasn't like a you know quick marriage or anything and uh but they were you know definitely together for the kids for a long time and so it was almost when it finally they decided you know to kind of part ways uh it hurts but at the same time i knew it was best for everybody and they're both very happy now literally in the next relationship they were into they've been together since so, uh, for both of them. So my mom remarried my dad now, I've been dating, you know, the same woman for God, 10 years, maybe, maybe longer. So, um, so yeah, it was, it was one of those weird things where it didn't make me not believe in love or not believe in marriage because they gave her the best shot the last long, you know, as long as possible. They raised me and my sister and stayed together for us, loved us. I was always in a very loving home. And then when they split up, they still found, you know, remarried and found love again. So definitely didn't affect, you know, my love life or anything like that.
4: Tell Tell us a little bit more about what it's like. Um, one of the things that I don't think we've ever discussed on an in-depth podcast, though, is uh, as somebody that's in high school or late high school, you know, you had some traumatic experiences. I, I know it was public that you were uh, at school. Uh, you were a senior uh, when there was a school shooting uh, at your high school. Uh, in addition to that, obviously, we just talked about the, the separation of your parents, but uh, for anybody out there listening, that's just like, hey, these feel like uh, heavy topics. uh, And not everybody's been through a school shooting. Um, That is a unique experience. But a lot of people have been through divorce. How do you process this? And has it changed your perception of kind of life and uh, how you see the world?
6: Yeah, Uh, yeah, my high school, you know, at the time, (laughs) when you're going through that, you don't really realize that it's much different than everybody else. I mean, obviously a school shooting is very, um, unique, mm-hmm. but when you're going through it, you know, you don't really think much of it, but when you look back on it, it's like, man, my high school, those four or three, four years really transformed who I am today and the man I am, uh, still, you know, and parents divorce, um, yes, it was very hard, you know, and especially in a small town, you know, um, but at the same time, it brought me and my sister very, very close. And so uh, that, that is something that I'll always be thankful for. Me and my sister are super close now. She's three years younger than me. Um, we were always kind of close, uh, but that's, um, we're going through the, the divorce, brought us very, very close together. And um, then, yeah, I mean, it was not much longer after, uh, it was kind of during actually. Um, I was a senior in in high school and a complete stranger, walked into my high school, didn't have any ties to the high school and took, took um, some female students, uh, hostage. And it was very scary, obviously for everybody in the community and the state uh, really came together. But for me, it was kind of strange because, or, you know, hard because my sister was a freshman at the time. And then my mom actually worked in the high school too. So I had basically my whole family in that high school at the time. So it hit me a little differently um, because, you know, so much could have been taken from me that day. And, you know, I'll never forget my mom was actually the one who got on the intercom and said like code white. And I could hear it in my mom's voice that something was wrong, you know? And the teacher, remember the teacher looking at me and me looking at the teacher and I could tell something was off. And I'll never forget stacking desks in front of doors and taking windows and things like that. And it's, it was very hard to process at the time. I remember crying, but I couldn't figure out why. I remember that a lot. Um, and it, But one of the cool things that came from it is the community the state and the the country really rallied around us. Uh, And I remember we were getting, I was getting calls from people that I hadn't, you know, would never have probably talked to and they were calling um, in support. And I remember it was a ton of money donated to my school. And I remember we had a whole classroom full of teddy bears, things like that. So it was cool to see the outpouring of love um, when things like that happen and how people can kind of come together. And it gave me, I mean, sometimes you can lose, you know, faith in humanity uh, a lot, actually. Uh, and that was just a reminder that there are really good people out there. And that was, that was kind of a cool thing.
0: Was everybody okay?
6: Uh, we did lose one uh, female um. student. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was really hard. Uh, you know, she was small school, so you kind of know everybody. And what uh, was, it was also very, oh, God, incredible to see was her parents um, rally and be so strong. And oh, wow. she, they, they actually, there's a Emily Keys Foundation. Her name is Emily Keys. There's an Emily Keys Foundation now. And anytime you, actually I just did it because I had to renew my license. It was kind of a weird moment where I was going through the, the um, to get a new driver's license. And in it, it says, would you like to donate to the Emily Keys, um, I think it's a donor foundation. Um, because she donated all of, you know, her organs and everything. And I was like, Oh my God, that's crazy that, that out of that, you know, how many lives have been saved? And I was like, heck yeah. I was like, donate, donate, donate. So it was interesting. And it was, it was just the strength that her parents showed and her family showed was also, um, it was very inspiring.
4: Yeah. Do you, Blake, do you feel like, I mean, how much of that there's always, I'm, I'm in therapy right now. Um, Mm -hmm. and uh, my counselor talks about there is this moment in every uh person no matter if you're male or female or, or how you identify as life where you uh become like you see like there's a sw- you see the world differently you become an adult in a sense you lose your naiveness t- n- nai- you uh the i guess the the lens of the world looks different was this that moment for you or and if not um yeah, when was that
6: actually- I remember there was a moment during, uh, and I haven't talked about it in a while, You get choked up. Uh, I'll never forget. So when we were evacuated from the high school um, by you know, SWAT teams, um, room by room, uh, I remember going into the, they, they huddled us into the gymnasium, which was in a different building, and they huddled us into the gymnasium. And I remember seeing my mom and sister for the first time, you know, and we like ran to the middle of the gymnasium and did a big group hug. And it was just like in that moment, it was like, gosh things can be just ripped from you know ripped ripped from you so quickly and so fast Um, and it's strange maybe to learn that in high school when I was like 16 or 17 Um, but it was definitely a moment that I will always remember like being so thankful that they weren't ripped from me and there was and then also at the same time though feeling the pain of Emily's family and how she was ripped from them you know it was it was a lot to take in you know 16 17 is still stuff I'm sure I've you know processed along the way and it took a while but to be so thankful that for what I have, but then at the same time, somebody lost their child, you know, that was, that was a hard thing to deal with, you know, when I was 16, 17. I remember just, I remember watching CNN and they were like, you know, there was a helicopter with my school and I remember seeing certain things happening and I remember just losing it and crying. And I was like, why, you know, like, why am I crying right now? But it was just so much a process at the time.
0: Do you Um, think, um, have, have you ever been that scared again?
6: No, I guess that's, that's a good point. I mean, I've never really, I've never really thankfully thank god that i've never really uh, experienced anything like that and the, there was a feeling of helplessness like i'll never forget that i'll never forget the feeling of helplessness and us running from like classroom to classroom to try and like lock doors and find doors that had locks and you'd hear a knock on the door and you'd pant you'd be like oh my god what's happening because we had no information um so i mean it was complete terror but also for myself but most most importantly like i knew my sister was in you know that at a high, that the school as well and my mom and friends and like your whole life, you know, at that time when you're 16, your whole life is in that school. And so it was not only you worried about yourself, but you worried about the people you love too. And that was, that was really hard. Yeah.
0: Did, did you feel like you had like long-term effects by it? Like going back to school?
6: Um, yeah. I mean, of course, obviously like that's a life changing moment, obviously. Um, and something that, well, unfortunately too many people go through to be honest now. Um, but, I remember going back to school uh, a couple weeks later, they kind of opened up the school. And I remember they, uh, they chained the door shut um, of the room that really everything took place in. And mm. it was really eerie, but also, like I said, it was all of us students came together and the teachers and the community and everybody it was just this outpouring of love that I, I've never felt before or since, to be honest. And so it was pretty incredible yes, it changed me and changed our community, but also like it gave me hope again. You know, you lose all that hope. Some stranger who just for no reason (laughs) came into our high school. Um, but at the same time you lose hope. And then at the same time you see all of these incredible people doing these incredible things and it gives you hope again. And that's why it's so important for people to reach out, um, in times of need, because it does make a difference coming from somebody who's been in it. It does make a difference. The donations, the teddy bears, the food, everything makes huge difference.
4: They, uh, you're, you're just sitting here and I'm listening to everything you're saying and you know, obviously, as a kid who went to the high school, you experienced this and there was huge life changing effects from it. The family that lost somebody had massive life changing effects. Uh, as you said, like this is unfortunately not uncommon in some in uh, the world we live in. Uh, and it also makes me think that um, that we all you know, we all have a story. That we all have something in our lives that marks that point in time where we realize that we're out of control. Like we don't have control of this. We, we aren't in control of what happens next. And it makes me relate in a lot of ways to like what's happening now. Like, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, people had jobs or a couple months ago, people had jobs. People were hearing rumors of a virus that was across the world. Uh, things were operating as usual, as normal, Um, we were able to be with family, you know, Easter is coming up, and as a Christian, like, that's a big weekend for me, that's one of my favorite weekends, it's where I get to see my grandmother, who is in her 80s, that I don't get to see very often, and I get to give her a hug, and sit with her, and just share memories with her, I get to see my grandpa, who's in his mid-90s right now, and like those Easter and these holidays are the times that I would make it special to come back home and to sit with them. And And I say all of this, not to feel sorry for me, all, all of us have a story, Uh, you know, and all of us have a story. And right now, a lot of people, their story is being changed. Their story is being enhanced. Their story is getting more complex. There's sadness involved. There's weird ways of like new ways of looking at the world and kind of celebrating through this. Blake, as we end this segment about your upbringing and who you are as a man leading you into uh, one of the biggest things in your life, which was crazy enough going on a reality television show for anybody out there listening. Once again, that's going, my story feels so hard to understand right now. Like this is so scary. My world is being rocked. My worldview is changing. What would you say to them? Uh, If you had your platform and you had everybody that just feels lonely and scared right now, what would you speak into their life?
6: Well, first of all, I, I get it. And uh, don't be uh, like, you should be afraid. You should be scared. You know, like kind of embrace that in a way, because if you fight it, you know, the more and more you fight it um, it's okay to feel, be afraid right now. I have more friends who have been laid off than friends who have not right now. And it's a terrifying time. Um, And the virus itself is scary. And I think like I, I have some friends who I recently talked to and they were like, we were, you know, we were like crying on FaceTime and it's like, I have a friend of mine and she had this day where she just cried all day and she just let out this big cry you know and then the next day she felt a lot better i think it's okay to be scared right now um you know and to kind of you know embrace that and try and i guess figure out who you want to be coming out of this i think it's almost kind of an opportunity and a way to um you know whether you were in a job you weren't completely happy with um and whether you were the person maybe you weren't happy with and now this is kind of a, a restart for a lot of people um which i think can can be an interest it's an interesting time in human history. It is so crazy. None of us have been through this, so we're all just taking it step by step together. Um, but I think a lot of people need to embrace it and try and and figure out a way, you know, to to help people and to become the person that they want to become.
4: Yeah. Cause as you said, like if we break it all down, there's one thing that's been very clear through any type of trauma, as you said with the teddy bears and the gifts and uh calls and then also with this with the support is we're definitely not alone there's other people out there um that uh want to love us and want to be there for us we just have to be willing to accept it to maybe ask or to reach out to others to do the same hey blake thanks for uh for sharing all of this um mm-hmm. thank you for allowing us to kind of probe into a place that i know is a little uncomfortable and, and probably semi uh, still hard to talk about and then like has caused a lot of change in your life and the community that you grew up in uh let's take a break get a drink of water we'll come back uh to start talking about you and your love life uh (laughs) after the break
0: what keeps baby skin healthy For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about using your credit card? With 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night.
4: Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So... The next time you have a question about your credit card, call
0: 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service that you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When
2: you drive a vehicle so reliable, it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty. You stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner.
3: Kia Movement that inspires. Call 800 333 4 Kia for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.
7: I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step.
5: As important as choosing the right destination when
4: traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
2: Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it.
4: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
5: So you write the books, Gene. And have last the business. I understand now It's a wise man marry a wise woman.
7: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: All right. Well, now, Blake, we know the traumatic things that happened at your high school. But I want to know, like, what kind of high school kid you were. Like, what – who did you run with?
6: Well, I mean – so You're
0: popular. So right. I was, I was the quarterback.
6: I mean, yeah, I was like the quarterback. You
0: were the quarterback.
6: Yeah, I was like the quarterback and all that. Since sophomore year, I was the starting quarterback. But like, my school was weird though because it was so small that there weren't like click Because we all grew up together, so we all knew each other. Like obviously, in, in high school, it's a little different who you sit with at lunch, if you will. You know, I mean, technically, mm-hmm. I guess I was like the cool table, but there really wasn't like a bad table. You know, like we didn't have bad kids, good kids. It was kind of a weird thing in a small town. How big That's was your nice. high school, actually?
0: That's really nice. I had 500 per grade. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> so pretty big. Dude. Ben, what about uh, you?
4: I was I had 400 per grade, uh, and it's a small town. Yeah, my high school experience is wild. But Blake, we got to throw the football around sometime from quarterback. Do I
6: my... saw your? I, I commented the other day when you were throwing the balls. Oh, you were quarterback. Yeah.
4: Uh huh. Trying trying my oh. hardest to still have a uh, live back my golden years as I sleep on. Uh, uh my fiance's in my fiance's parents house <laughs> asking <laughs> to eat their food. <laughs> How long you been play? down there, Ben? Uh, yeah. I've been down in Nashville, Tennessee now for about two weeks. Um we literally all seven of us have quarantined inside this house. So it's like it's funny like, did every you
0: say seven or seventeen?
4: seven there's seven okay. of us but it's funny blake uh our fans love it i love it is like ashley and i've talked about it we've like turned into high schoolers all over again because <laughs> all of a sudden we're like freaking out our parents like we're <laughs> eating their food we're sleeping on their couch like this whole thing has been it's wild
1: just yeah so- every
0: day it's like mom can
2: you give me a
1: grilled cheese
0: <laughs> i don't know when i'm ever gonna grow out of that i think it's when you you have kids of your own yeah
6: i was thinking i'd maybe yeah i still don't think like, I- things, like- I don't think anybody's an adult until they have kids. Like I feel like Yeah, I
0: don't think so either. Yeah. I completely agree. Like yeah. Jade and Tanner are one hundred percent adults and Jared and I we're still <laughs> the kids. Like we're still gonna sit in the backseat of the car.
6: Yeah.
0: And my mom and dad are gonna drive. Um, <laughs> okay, so then where did you go to college and did you play high school and college? Did you, did you play high school college? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did you play quarterback in college?
6: Um, yeah, so I went to Hastings College, a uh, small college in Nebraska. Uh, I want to say 2,500, 3,000 people. Like, not still pretty, like a big high school. To
0: That's like. like my yeah, high school. Yeah, exactly. It's
6: like a big high school. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, I played football out there. I was recruited. So it's funny because I can't believe, well, some of the pictures have come out, but I was recruited as a quarterback um played quarterback for about year year and a half uh and going into spring training spring season of my sophomore year we got this badass juco quarterback and i just was not good enough so i went to the coach and i was like coach i'm never gonna play like can i you know do something else he's like yeah actually we love you know we you're an athlete and we think we can put some weight on you like do you want to be a tight end so i was like sure and i was up to 240 when I was, oh, wow. 10, I was a big boy, um, just ate like five chicken breasts for lunch, you know, like huge steaks for dinner. I was loving life. It was great. Uh, but yeah, I was about 240 going into my senior year of college. I was a big boy. I was like, my neck was like huge.
0: And yeah, it was, it
6: was <laughs> a, a, a different Blake, definitely a different Blake.
0: How are you with the ladies throughout high school and college? Uh, high school, I had two
6: girlfriends um, all through high school. So college was an interesting time for me. So I was shy; I was super shy growing up and in high school. Um, college is kind of where I broke out a little bit, but I wasn't the big man on campus, quote unquote, anymore. Uh, so it was more of a time. I think everybody in high school was like knew me as like the quarterback and like that guy, but then in college I got to kind of reinvent myself uh, because people didn't know me as that. And so I liked it.
0: Well, that's cool. what's so cool about college yeah. is that like all of a sudden there are not cliques anymore. Yeah you are a fresh person as far as like your rep goes yeah
6: and I wanted to break out of a oh stereotypical athlete like I wanted to break out of that I didn't want to Mm -hmm. be that guy anymore because I think a lot of people would only see me as that so college was cool for me I I took a bunch of classes that I never would have I ended up getting two degrees one in marketing and one in communication and I really broke out of my like probably sophomore years when I broke out of my shell I was still like super shy freshman year But sophomore year broke out of my shell, and, like, people didn't know me as a jock. I was just that fun guy on campus who, like, knew everybody, was friends with everybody, and that kind of thing. So it was great. But we
0: see that you're, like, pretty natural with the ladies. I mean, everyone loved you coming off Becca season. (laughs) (laughs) Girls loved you coming off Becca season, like, doing events with you and just seeing their reaction to you. Was incredible, and then in Paradise, we obviously saw that you know you were a girl that a lot of you were a guy that a lot of girls had their eye on, and well, we know that there was drama that ensued, and you didn't, uh you weren't exactly the girl that a lot wanted to end up with. Well, yeah, was there was say, a lot pers- was,
6: Everybody was going like trying to make sure I didn't end up with anybody like I think that was the plan going into paradise
0: but there was an initial attraction that many girls had what is it about you and did you always have this power over women oh
6: I don't know I think I just I think I don't know like I don't want to like I'm gonna like self-describe here and I'm gonna. oh no (laughs) I know (laughs) don't do it don't do it no um I think maybe I'm just um I think people are comfortable around me I guess I think I'm very yeah yeah, I think I'm very like I don't know self-deprecating and like I'm I don't think like I don't take myself seriously uh and so I think people are just comfortable around me I guess if I had to say I think
0: that's actually a pretty good answer yeah
6: I think and I'm always easy to talk to yeah and I think I'm always that person whether it be at like you know like parties or clubs or family reunions or what a house party that like want to make sure everybody's having a good time. want to make sure everybody's comfortable and everybody's there's nobody left out. I think I know, that's kind of who I am, I guess.
0: So then did you have a serious relationship before the bat, the bachelorette?
6: Yeah, I have, um, I've had, so I haven't had that many girlfriends through, through life. Um, I think four, four, I mean, unless you count high school, but four, um, I had one that I lived with, uh, dated for two years, lived with her uh, right out of college, and then another one right about you know eight nine months before uh, the bachelorette that you know was pretty serious and I thought was the one and everything, but didn't work out. So, and that's what I knew going into the bachelorette because I had never really felt like this is the one, this is it, I'm settling down, I'm getting married. And so going into the bachelorette, I knew I was capable of that. So it was like an exciting time for me. I was like, okay, I I can get there where I'm like, yes, this is it. Can't wait to get married, kind of thing.
0: I was going to say, you were very eager on The Bachelorette. You almost see, you kind of, you brought a lot of your past relationship into it, I feel like.
6: Um, I don't know, possibly, but I just think, I don't know. I mean but- like the
0: fear that that was over. The fear that like your other relationship was over kind of rolled over into The Bachelorette when you were kind of like, I know this is it, but like it needs to actually happen this time, unlike last time.
6: Um, maybe, I guess. I never really thought of it like that. Uh... But no, I think I just felt it with Beck because I think when I'm one of those people who like when I feel it, I feel it like I'm not going to beat around the bush. I love hard and like I'm like, ready to go kind of thing. I, and I think I'm the opposite when it comes to like if I'm not really into somebody, I'm like scared to maybe say it or break it off or that kind of thing. But when I'm into somebody, I'm into somebody and it's yeah, I know it. You know, it's one of those feelings. And I, I had that relationship before and I had that during the Bachelorette. Right? I was like, let's do this. Yeah.
4: You. uh you come on to Becca's season of The Bachelorette, bringing in a lot of things that we've talked about. Uh, not a lot of relationships, but some fairly serious ones. Uh, you bring, you, you know, coming from high school being kind of uh, the popular kid, the quarterback, the good-looking quarterback, to college where you still were an athlete, very well-known, very liked, Um You then have the moment where uh, you start having a full time job. You had a great job. You were um, a what was your official title with Coors?
6: I mean, basically, uh, off premise sales rep.
4: Yes, you're a sales rep for Coors coming on to the bachelorette where you did fall for Becca. Uh, And yes, out of respect for her and Garrett, like we don't need to get into what that relationship fully looked like. But what it did do, and I remember when I first met you is, uh, it held a lot of weight on your heart. Like there was a, 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 just a, a deep, I don't want to speak for you. What was your relationship like with Becca as it ended and what were your feelings for her leading you into that next season, which is where we'll get into some of the details of where maybe things went wrong, right. Or however you want to mm-hmm. process it.
6: Um, gosh, gotta think back now. Um. So I think I had a unique, everybody has unique experience in the batch, you know, in that show, everybody kind of has different levels of the relationship with the lead or whatnot. But I think mine was interesting because I, you know, we clicked pretty much immediately. And I remember being one night, you know, so, you know, there was a moment we had and I remember laying in bed and being like, oh, like, oh, no, uh, I'm going to fall for this girl. This is going to be really hard for me. Mm -hmm. um because it was fast for me where like other people like i know jason had a very late connection with her you know um so like i had one of the ones the early connection so it made that journey very hard for me uh because i knew i was into her and i had to watch other people date her (laughs) if you will uh and you know towards the end um i mean i guess the last two weeks are incredibly difficult for me because i knew that i was into her and in love with her um The one thing I always respect about Becca is that I think she gave, you know, everybody time uh, and she really was able to, uh, in those, what's the word I'm looking for? In those moments when she was with us, she was with us. She wasn't thinking about anybody else. She was in those moments. Uh, And yeah, it was very hard at the end. I think people could see that uh, in the Maldives. Uh, It was very hard for me, but at the same time, I was never angry at Becca, you know, never angry at Garrett or any of that kind of thing. Uh, She made the decision she felt was right for her. And so I'll never, ever, you know, being angry at her for that so
4: I,
0: Just I backtrack for a minute how did you get on the show
6: yeah i i was nominated by my sister and my mom uh and then it was like in october and then it filmed in march like six months worth of going through that whole process you know how it is so yeah i hate them and love them for um for nominating me for the show so <laughs> <laughs> i remember coming back uh i remember landing in Denver. You know, calling my family and being like, let's meet at my place and let's talk. And they all came in and I remember my mom being, almost like wanting to apologize because I was heartbroken and she was like, oh my God, I did this to you. She was like, I nominated you, you know? It's kind of funny.
0: But like, mom. I remember watching that finale in the weeks leading up to it and being like, I know she's supposed to be with Garrett, but I think I need her to be with Blake because I don't know how this guy's gonna get through it. I don't know if he's gonna get through it. I've never seen somebody like this head over heels on the show. Like, it truly you there was like a frenzy about you i was like this man can't has to leave with her <laughs> well I'm i mean, worried that, that
6: was yes and like i was you know i was very in love and like like i said it was imagine like week three is when i was like oh my god like this girl's awesome i could get you know really get you know really be in this and it just built and built and built and built and built and by the end you know it had been two months or whatever it was and watching other people date her, it just finally was like, Oh my God, I can't handle this anymore. You know, it's not an easy, imagine watching the girl you love fall in love with another man. It's not fun. Not a good time. So <laughs> the,
4: yeah. the note to take from all of this right now and getting to know you and there's a common theme here is, uh, one thing that you have done well, if there is a, a definition of well from it is you, we have seen, in the last few years of you being a part of this experience, some of your highest highs and your lowest lows, and we have seen it. Like, it's for you, uh, these moments in this experience have been some of the most um, impactful moments in your life. Like, we have been a part of this with you. Uh, and I've I asked all these questions about, uh, you know, Becca, because uh, a lot of the audience doesn't realize how real sometimes it is. But the Mm -hmm. breakup with Becca was a real breakup for you.
6: Yeah. um, Very real breakup for me. Uh, There's a lot of, I remember in the moment, there was a lot of confusion for me. Um, I knew, I remember, I remember reading back my diary and I remember my journal. And I remember uh, I mentioned Garrett a lot. I knew that they had a really strong connection, uh, but it was still at the end there. I still thought it was going to be me. uh, And I'll never forget in the, the next morning after the, uh, proposal, you know, I was leaving on the boat. Um, I remember it was early in the morning and like, the sun was coming up and I remember looking at that Island and being like, you know, Garrett and I knew Garrett and Becker were still on the Island, obviously. And I remember just being like, Oh my God, like, it was like one of those, it was just a weird moment where I looked at like my life will never be the same. You know, it was like my life, I was like my life could have taken such a different turn at that point. You know, I could have been engaged on the Island in the Maldives and now I'm leaving heartbroken alone, you know? And so, it was a, yeah, it was a strange time. And then having to keep all of that secret. Like, I don't think people understand how hard it is, you know, when you're one of the F2s there, like you have to keep it, everything quiet. You can't talk to your friends. The only people you can really talk to are your family, you know? Um, so it was really hard to get there. Yeah.
0: How long did that, like, depression last?
6: Uh, well, I mean, luckily I got home and literally two weeks later, the show started to air. So that was really nice. It was like, let's do this kind of thing. Um, Watching back the season, uh, it was strangely therapeutic. Like, it's a weird feeling to watch yourself. Or, yeah, it's a weird thing to watch yourself fall in love. Uh, But then also I watched Garrett and Becca's relationship. Like, I was one of the ones who I did watch every moment because I wanted to find answers Mm -hmm. and I wanted to figure out why it wasn't me and it was Garrett. Um, I don't necessarily think there was, like, this one moment or this one thing that happened. Um, But seeing how strong their connection was um, in a weird way, it helped. Because I wanted her to be happy, and I, you know, I wanted Garrett to be happy. Uh, but I'll never forget the, f- uh, yeah, the finale, like the after final rose. Um, it wasn't actually the my conversation with her that kind of did it for me that closed the book. It was actually seeing how happy her and uh, Garrett were on that couch, and I was like, okay, I was like, it's over, mm-hmm. it's done. Uh, time to move on with my life. So yeah,
4: and and you moved on, and you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hey, Blake, we're going to take one break here. Uh, And when we come back, if you can just spend the break kind of thinking through um, this breakup with Becca, led you into a season of not being on a show. Uh, You were kind of in an in between season. This obviously uh, was a time that a lot of stuff happened. Uh, You had people flocking to you, as Ashley's mentioned. You had still, uh, you were recovering from a broken heart. Uh, You were thrown into a whole new world that, you know, involves celebrity and being noticed and being sought after. Uh, When we come back, I want to hear some of those emotions and those feelings which led you to then stagecoach. But before we do, let's take a break.
7: (laughs) What
0: keeps baby skin healthy? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about using your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night.
4: Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So... The next time you have a question about your credit card, call
0: 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service that you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.
7: I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step.
3: Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Back with uh, Blake Hortzman. Uh, Ashley, you have a question for Blake uh, kind of in this in-between season that will lead us to get to the point where (sighs) <sighs> kind of where blake started to mess up
0: okay so you get your closure ish in july and then you think probably you're shoeing for the bachelor everyone thought you were going to be the bachelor jason did get a little bit of steam there but it was between the two of you guys for sure and then all of a sudden out of the blue one of your really close friends colton gets the title and you're like, okay, wait, I thought I had a way to pick myself back up and I don't. So now I just am like, I can't imagine just having that heightened emotion and, you know, all that popularity. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, um, I don't, I don't have it anymore. What am I going to do? How'd that chapter of your life go? Uh,
6: Yeah. So kind of, I spoke to like how I was being F to, you kind of have to like seclude yourself and you can't really go out because people are going to ask questions. So All during the airing of the show, I was kind of like isolated and not really going out. And then I had the couple months where they were trying to figure out who The Bachelor was. I was isolated and not going out. So it was probably almost a year. It was almost a year where my life was completely flipped upside down during the filming, the airing, then the in-between on The Bachelor. So I was like in this weird place where I was like wasn't living. Like I was just not living my normal life. I wasn't being myself because I was kind of trying to like isolate myself. And um, then... I mean yes i knew it was between me and jason like i i mean i thought it was between me and jason um i thought it was gonna be jason thousand percent i never i never really let myself be like oh i'm gonna be the bachelor like i thought it was gonna be jason uh, um it was a, definitely a surprise uh when colton got it but we also had talked a lot uh, me jason and colton we were friends and mm-hmm. you know we had a group chat going like who'd you talk to today who'd you talk to <laughs> what was your readings <laughs> like you know so it was kind of funny we you know, I don't think the producers have ever had anything like that. And I remember they actually group texted all three of us together at one point. We're like, screw it. We're just going to tell you all this news at the same time, kind of thing. Wait, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. They were like, hey, we're going to have an answer by, for you three by the end of the week, that kind of thing. Like, they were like, wow. up. yeah, they had just given up. They were like, and we know you guys are talking. So we're just going to talk to all three of you. Um, but yeah, I got the call. Um, and, you know, they told me Colton was was Bachelor. And it was a weird thing. We're like, what now? Um, I think the show's gotten better, and I know they're trying to get better at not really at kind of helping the transition from the Mm -hmm. show into real life. I know that's something Mm -hmm. they're going to work on, because I think it's really hard when you just kind of like sink or swim and like figure it out. Like your life's about to be flipped upside down. People are going to try and take advantage of you, Um, and I think they're doing a better job with that. I will give them that. Um, But yeah, I was in that weird moment where it was like, okay, what now? I was still working. I worked for eight months after the show at Coors. I was still working, but I was also gone a couple of times a week um, doing interviews, doing appearances and all of that with the, you know, the attention that comes with it. So it was a weird time in my life for sure.
4: It's all a weird world. Um, But it brings us here. I mean, so Blake, you you don't know what you're getting into. You don't know how to pursue being the bachelor. If there is a pursuit to be in the bachelor and we don't know yet if that's good or bad, but you're getting hounded with attention from all different sides. I was with you at iHeart uh, Music Fest. Ashley and I were, and we went out together one night. Uh, and it was wild the attention you were getting and the energy you had. I, I'm the same age as you, and I was exhausted by the end <laughs> oh, of the night.
6: I've been hiding for eight months. Like yeah. I, said, I, was
0: like, I was like, You're going out now? I just couldn't get over it. It's like 230? But- <laughs>
4: But what it did is, and I said all this earlier to set us up for this question, because you're heartbroken by Becca. You're disappointed a bit by not being the Bachelor, or however you want to explain that. You're getting more attention than ever. You're trying to figure out what to do with it, because you're still working a job Monday through Friday. In that in-between season, between not knowing, knowing you're not the Bachelor and Bachelor in Paradise, you... We're very single, to put it lightly. Mm-hmm. Um walk us through that. Like walk us through what your thought process was. Were you trying to have fun? Were you not understanding the consequences? Like this all of that season of life set you up for what became a lot of backlash that we'll talk about in a bit. But this this is this is real, this is the real world to you. And you're making real world decisions with real humans. Walk us through that.
6: Yeah I mean obviously it was a very strange time when women were throwing themselves at me Um, and it was it was a weird time where I'm not gonna sit here and act like I yeah I was single I was single I had fun but like also I never and I want I can't express this enough I didn't play with hearts like I was always very honest I was always very honest Um, but yeah it was a weird time and I you know I'm not the first person in to do this kind of thing. Um, in fact, I think most do. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a weird time where I was not only single, but I was heartbroken. Uh, and I definitely think that I found comfort, you know, in other things and, you know, going out and having fun. Um, and it was a weird time and it's something that obviously it's a point in life where you like learn, you know, you learn a lot and you grow. And that I didn't go on paradise that year. So it was that weird moment where I had even longer, you know, and, girls coming off. You Col-
0: had a year of paradise. Yeah,
6: exactly. But girls coming off Colton season. Yeah, it was the quote unquote cuz Jason was wiped up. It was like the quote unquote a guy. And so yeah, they yeah, they wanted to be with me because for the you know, multiple reasons, but like yeah. So it was very hard with that too because everybody was citing my DMs and it was crazy.
0: Did you ever feel like it got to your head looking back in hindsight? I mean, this
6: experience changes who you are no matter what. You're night one your F2, whatever you want to call it, paradise, everything. It changes who you are, of course. But like, I'd be lying to you if five years ago I was a single man and two beautiful women wanted to have no strings attached, one night stands at a music festival. I wouldn't have done it. I'd be lying to you. Like in that sense, like, yeah, I mean, this experience changes you absolutely. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie because I think that's kind of a cop out to be like, you know, I lost myself. Like, I think that's a cop out, you know. So I don't want to lie anymore. I'm over the, I'm over the, the, fakeness of everything. So
4: we've we've kind of talked with multiple people during the in depth, and uh, one thing that I'm constantly learning in my life because it was just a different way that that I ever again saw the world, and not no moral ground I'm standing on here, but the the show has talked a lot about sex recently. Mm-hmm. You know, people who are choosing to stay abstinent, people who are uh, exploring their sexuality. And more open about you know what sex means to them. Um, we've had guests come on this uh, on our po- almost famous podcast and and talk about how uh, they do podcasts, exploring uh, you know partnership and what that looks like. I'm learning what I'm saying. All this is like I'm learning more and more that there everybody is in, entitled to their opinion. But the part that affected people the most that you hit on on was that you were accused during this time in your life of Mm -hmm. leading people on, of playing with hearts, of uh, manipulating the situation.
5: Mm -hmm.
4: And you're saying that you never did that. Uh, But why was that the perception? Why is that the story that got put out there uh, during this kind of limbo season?
6: Um, Because that was a good story. That makes good TV. That makes a good narrative. The man who... Everybody loves falling off the top, you know? And I'm not gonna sit here and act like I didn't make mistakes. I've made mistakes, everybody does. Mine just happened to be in front of America. But, I I mean, you you saw, very, very honest about how, you know, that night and how it felt. And they were very sure to tell me that it wasn't, you know, anything other than sex. Um,
0: Can you clarify the night? Stagecoach. <laughs> okay, yeah, stage so coach. there's Katelyn at the stagecoach. Yeah, go ahead. There's Caitlin at stagecoach. Was there an other bachelor girl at stagecoach besides, I mean, Christina?
6: Yeah, yeah, just Christina. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, we both made it very, it was very clear <laughs> what it was, um, you know? And so, I think that was the frustration when I was watching the show back is, yeah, the way it was, you know, the way the story slipped a little bit. Not a lot of it. A lot of it. And so, that was really frustrating. I,
4: I think, Blake... Part of this gets heavy and weird and confusing because there was so many storylines happening. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leading up into The Bachelor in Paradise, just for anybody out there listening, and I know you've done it a hundred times before, I don't think we need an exact timeline, but just a summary of what that whole concert felt like to you. Like, Was it a big party and a lot of things going around in circles and all of a sudden you find yourself... um, talking to dating sleeping with somebody you didn't expect or was there conversation beforehand? Uh, and then we can leave the stage comes conversation kind of if, if Ashley doesn't have any follow-ups, I just want to get a better idea of what picture was being done here so that we all understand the story a little bit better.
6: Um, I mean, I feel like kind of, yeah, everybody's kind of heard it, but I mean, or <laughs> overheard it, heard it too many times, but, um, yeah, I mean, at stagecoach, it, it's a music festival. Like, you know, everybody's having fun. I think that was the funniest part about everything. Like this wasn't like a random, like, I don't know, like night, you know, it's like a music festival is a full weekend. Um, it's, yeah, it is. Everybody's having fun. Everybody's, you know, living life and yeah. Friday night, um, 4 AM. Yeah. Text messages happened. Um, Christina came over and then the next night, yeah. 4 AM, some text messages were exchanged and Caitlin came over. So I mean.
0: to refresh the audience's memory, you did have a brief thing with Christina coming mm-hmm. off of The Bachelorette, so mm-hmm. that fall, yes. and then that fizzled out, which I think both of you agreed that that fizzled out. Mm-hmm. Then you started talking to Kalen later on that year, mm-hmm. saw both of them at Stagecoach. Mm-hmm. Then you believe that it was clear to both of them that it was just a hookup thing and that it was more of like a weekend thing. Mm-hmm. And then you tried to pursue Hannah G, um, thinking that you'd be dating her in paradise. You went down to Alabama to have a weekend with her? Was no. That, no, she came now, out to LA? Like
6: six hours. No, I was six in, hours. I was in Birmingham for about six hours, yeah.
0: So it was just a quick trip?
6: Yeah, I went to tell her about Stagecoach, yeah.
0: Oh, because you guys were talking to before we were talking and I just didn't
6: want her to be blindsided down there. I didn't want, that's why I told Caitlin, I didn't want anybody to be blindsided down there. I wanted to make sure, you know, yeah, I just didn't want anybody to be blindsided. I wanted to make sure everybody, you know, kind of knew. and me and Hannah, never, I know we've talked about this before. Me and Hannah never agreed like, Hey, I'm going to date you. You're going to date me. We both, we were both excited about each other. Don't get me wrong, but it never was that the case. Yeah.
0: Ben, I- you have anything to add before I go further on the timeline?
4: No, I mean, no. Um, I don't. I think, I think all this, like, even now, I sit here, Blake, and as a friend, I'm like, man, I know you've had to talk about this a thousand times. I know, and I know, um, this is frustrating, and I know it gets defensive. I think the the hardest part here, and it will always be the hardest part for you, is it's so complex, like. I just think, like, I don't know how you fit this in in that period of time. I think everybody's kind of joked about that. Like, how do you have so much time? The second part is, like, it's just complex. It's a complex story with a lot of different moving parts. But, you know, your truth is this. And, and you know, we'd have to talk to everybody else involved to get their truth. But your truth is, hey, you didn't play with any hearts. There is a mutual understanding between all parties involved. Um nobody was nobody felt misled and and that's why you decided to go on paradise because you felt like everybody was in the clear which you know is why you went to tell hannah g in person that this is what happened and if you choose to go down to paradise i want you to know ahead of time Mm
0: -hmm. i I promise you i'm leading somewhere with this to a more (laughs) relevant question (laughs) so in paradise you asked Tasha out on a date, even though I think you had mentally planned on asking Hannah G. Is that correct? Yes. And you recently admitted this on your Instagram story because your contract expired last month.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I planned to take, like, I, I got, the, I didn't think I was going to get the first date card. That was a complete surprise to me. Um, but I remember getting it and being like, you know, you go to the ITM, they talk about who you're going to take, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, Hannah. It's like, okay, we got up, left the room, and I don't wanna to talk too much about this. But yeah, I mean, I sat down and um, it was my decision. I wasn't forced to do anything. Um, but at the time, you know, I, I uh, felt that people, you know, I trusted a lot of people, um, but they had already kind of figured out a narrative for me. And if I was to maybe take Hannah, the narrative might've been a little different for them. And Taysha is an amazing woman. And honestly, I feel the worst kind of like, Taysha was brought into drama that, she didn't need to be in. Like I brought her into drama by taking her on that first date, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't fair to her, um, but yeah, I, I just, you know, I was about an hour, um, I was convinced to take to take Tasha, and that really is where everything started snowballing and it was just a horrible experience,
0: yeah. I think that's everybody's like initial question was just like, but what, how did he pick, why did he ask Tasha out then? If know, and was into Hannah. I
6: if I could go back, like I, I think one of the hard things about coming up, having a good experience on The Bachelor Bachelorette is that you're very naive, you know, uh, you're very naive going into paradise. And I, you know, I was, I was like, you know, these producers are making good points and they have my best interest at heart. And then, yeah, I guess the rest is history, but yeah.
0: You also said on the same Instagram story that you feel a little bit of PTSD from Mm -hmm. Bachelor in Paradise.
6: Mm -hmm. I mean, I still, Um, yeah, I still, yeah. I mean, just talking about this is getting me wound up. My heart's beating, my palms are sweating. Like it's, it was a really rough experience. And it was, I mean, it was just a hard time in my life to have, you know, not only when you know, I was on the beach um, having everybody, you know, gang up on me and bully me, you know, and kick me while I was down constantly. Um, but like afterwards too, a lot of people I trusted did the same thing, you know? And it was just – I felt very alone, very,
7: very, very alone during all that.
0: Ben, you were with him. Um, I mean, with him as a guider throughout that time. I know that you confided a lot in him, Blake. Ben, can you tell us from your perspective how um, you saw Blake's soul while The Bachelor in Paradise was airing?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard. It's hard because at one level, you know, you're a friend, and you want to give your friend like I would anybody – uh, direct what you hope is truthful advice. And so like some of, some of the stuff that my friends have said to me, that's been the most helpful have also been the ones that the things that have hurt me the most. Uh, so like if my buddy is out there, uh, making decisions that I don't agree with, like I, we have the relationship that I would tell him, Hey, like you should stop. Um, you should t- not do this and the pro the the hard part for me or i mean you know and blake is a friend of mine a legitimate friend of mine and and we also share this experience the hard part for me is you're speaking to somebody that one that is this has already happened so that's one issue because you can't really like take it back so you're trying to more more console the second is it is being done in the public eye and being judged by the public Mm -hmm. um blake i think if i look back on that though There isn't, you know, I have to have uh, because of the podcast, like I and other things, like I share the opinion that I don't think it was great decisions. I don't think Stagecoach was probably anything good for you. I don't think the things that happened at Stagecoach helped you as a man or just helped your life, but they happened. And so you move on and we figure out how to process it. I think if I remember right, going back to you, and after this, uh, I want to kind of get into how it affected your head, uh, but was the reaction from everybody else uh the people especially on the show i remember you came back and you said hey this was not good like some stuff happened like this is hard on me but i had the support of my peers there who like helped me along the way when you watched it back that wasn't the case
6: yeah i know and that was the so of course like you know the public scrutiny and like the comments but that hurts don't get me wrong that hurts Um, but you know, when you're in the public eye, you kind of learn to let those roll off as much as possible, roll off your back. But it was watching these people who were so nice, like at times at the beginning, it was rough, but they were nice to my face. And then watching the things they were saying in interviews and the things they were saying, um, to each other in group chats or whatever, you know, um, down on that beach. It was not only was it shocking, but it hurt so, so bad. And a lot of them have apologized. A lot of them have apologized, um, you know. And I try not. I know we know. I mean, Ashley, you've been there. That environment's very hard, and that environment causes you to say things you don't necessarily mean. Um, and so I try to. I try to keep that in mind. Like I know how bad that environment can be, and I know that you're almost you're asked to bully, and it's. And I try and keep that in mind when I when I talk to some of these people when they have apologized and. I was angry for a long time. I was frustrated, but like, I couldn't keep that in my heart. Like I, ch- I and I'm still working through it. I'm still going through to therapy. I'm still working through a lot of my frustrations. Um, but like, eventually I was just like, I gotta forgive these people because I can't live with this hate in my heart anymore. You know? And so, still stuff I'm working through, but.
0: Are there still, are there people that still don't forgive you?
6: For, for what? Like, don't forgive me for speech coach or don't forgive me for the text messages?
0: They still haven't gotten over your moves in paradise
6: no I'm, okay good no i think well maybe dean and caitlin um maybe those are the only two okay
4: blake um i know it's hard to it's hard to communicate i think the weight and of of this but like it wasn't during this time in your life and even today i mean it has been that long ago where like there were a lot of tears shed um there were tears shed not only on your social media that obviously became um, kind of viral. Uh, there was also tears shed in private uh, with your friends and your family. Um, this took a toll on you. You know, all of this we start. It's interesting if you kind of see the 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 story of this podcast. You know, we start with uh, some trauma. Uh, we kind of go into like some more funny things, like how cool you were in high school and college uh, your, your great job and kind of that you were the life of the party, always wanting everybody to have a good time and getting attention from ladies and being on this show that rocked your world, but also broke your heart. Like that your, your story here has always been complex. And now we get to a place where it almost just feels heavy and it's felt like it's, it's been heavy for a while now. Um, I want to take a break here. Uh, And I would love to come back and talk to you a little bit about not only where your head's at today, the lessons you've learned about mental health and how you kind of have worked through that for anybody out there listening and also yourself. Uh, And then finally, uh, I know that you're pursuing a new career uh, that uh, I think would be really nice to share about here on the Almost Famous In-Death Podcast with Blake Hortzman.
0: What keeps baby skin healthy? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about using your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night.
4: Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So... The next time you have a question about your credit card, call.
0: 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service that you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
2: With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you find your purpose at grand canyon university visit gcu.edu
7: i'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for god to give you your next step and you don't know what it is yet you need god to show you your next step
3: Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Uh, We've been talking to Blake Hortzman about a lot. I mean, we've started in high school. That's led us up through uh, his first job, high school, college, Um, and then on to the bachelorette, which led him to a little bit of disappointment, not being the bachelor, then to bachelor in paradise, uh, a year after being on the bachelorette. Uh, we all know Blake's story and bachelor in paradise. We don't need to go into details of, uh, who the women were and kind of all the storylines that played out there. We we've heard it a hundred times. If you haven't, I'm sure you can Google it. Um, and, and everybody has been either hurt by it, uh, some feel like they've been hurt from the experience, others uh, have been hurt by kind of the second-hand uh, uh, opinions and criticism. Uh, Blake, what has hurt you the most? Uh, and I say this not to like, hey, I know you've experienced pain in this. No, it's like, hey, th- your pain has been very public. Like your struggles with mental health uh, have, been, uh, have been talked about often by yourself and others. What from this whole experience has hurt you the most?
6: Uh, Oh, God, there's so much. I think I, and I've always been um, a bit of a, you know, I think I just was very naive coming into this world. And I think the hardest part was seeing people I considered friends, um, you know, just, throwing me under the bus for retweets for likes for pods for you know whatever they needed to keep you know relevant or whatnot uh and that was hard for me because i just think i I, even though i was told you know to expect that by a thousand people i just still didn't think um, that that was something that was going to happen and one of the hardest parts through it all was how many people were on my side privately how many people told me they would have done exactly what i did and that i did nothing wrong and then in public, doing not well. Not necessarily. Some of them did the complete opposite, but a lot just were kind of quiet on the whole thing. And it's a weird part. It's like, it's weird because I don't expect in this world now, especially now that I know it a little bit better. It's hard to expect people to stick their neck out for you, you know, because they're risking their rep, they're risking their career. Um, and I know that now. And so looking back, like it's hard to be like, why didn't you say anything? Because they were worried about their image. Um, but that was the hardest part was watching friends who I, you know, people I considered friends saying privately, they're on my side and publicly not. That was very hard for me.
4: Well, well, this is our moment to kind of stick our necks out. And, you know, that's why we have this podcast and we want to hear the truth, right? Because the truth gets hard to, to sometimes see when all this is going on. You know, we're watching on TV, we're still seeing glimpses on social media, we're hearing the opinions uh, from your peers. And I think when you do that, you go, Oh my, this must be true. But for you, you're saying, Hey, like this is a lot harder to understand than what anybody saw. Um, and you were just wanting people to be there. Mm -hmm. Now that causes some mental health, uh, issues, right? I mean, you came on your, on your Instagram. Uh, I remember during that season, you just like in tears, crying to the public, like, really crying out loud like for help and and i i mean i i think i remember s- advising you um to i don't think i i think we talked it through and i was like i don't know what you do here like i i don't know if this is smart to share like i know it kind of feels like you're outing the other people involved but you're like you were just saying like i just need to get my story out there because i need to feel like less alone right
6: yeah i mean not only my I, I mean, yeah and i just i'll i'll just it, I get parts like some people, um, the whole text message thing, but like it's, it's frustrating to me because imagine the whole world was against me. Like people had already decided like I was guilty. Like There was nothing. Like I was guilty and unfortunately the show – and I don't blame the show necessarily for not showing my side because I couldn't – like I, when I was down there, I didn't. You know, It wasn't like they edited my side out. Like I didn't because I didn't know some of the things that were being said, you know. Um, but so I just felt like I had no choice and I was like listen like I don't, I'll never understand how somebody can be angrier at the evidence you know of the lies and the lies themselves that's just not something that I don't know if I'll ever be able to really comprehend um, but I at the same time it's like I get like private messages of private messages but it's like same time millions of people watch the show you know so I don't know it was hard it was a very difficult decision and it's It's not one i took lightly and it hurt it hurt really bad at the time um but it was something i felt like i had to do
0: what steps did you take after the show was aired to better your mental health
6: after the show was yeah it was aired uh and during while it was airing um yeah both i you know i took um first of all i got off social media um like i didn't post i posted I didn't i posted the text messages and then i didn't post again until the finale i just felt like i needed to remove myself from from that um so i got off of that uh took therapy took a lot of therapy leaned on friends leaned on family um and i still was really low um it's hard when you know you feel alone like that and even i know my family cares and my friends and everybody loves me but you're almost in you're in a weird state um you know when you're First of all, let me restart i was always one of those people who thought that anxiety panic attack suppression was always something you could just quote unquote rub dirt on and i always thought that it was kind of a made-up thing for people who uh needed you know attention quote unquote if you will now i know that that is not the case that those are very very real Uh, i remember i was depressed and I remember tr- the, every, every day I was in bed for probably about three months. And I remember every day I'd be like, tomorrow, I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk. I'm going to take a jog. Tomorrow I was going to do it. And then I wake up and I couldn't do it. I physically couldn't do it. And I remember my mom coming in and trying to drag me out of bed. And I physically couldn't do it. And I was just in a really bad spot. And I like my, your health, you know, starts to decline. You start eating crap. And it's all just a snowball. Um, and I was in a really bad spot. And it took a long time to get out of that. Um, and it's still, still like I said it's still something I'm working on um, but I'm definitely in a you know, way better spot than I was four or five months ago um, but it's not something that you can cure overnight and it does take time for sure uh,
4: to close off this segment um, and, I, and thank you for sharing this stuff I think it, it cannot feel great but I, I hope that speaking about it over and over again at some point uh you know you you will be able to move forward which you know i'd like to know H- have you moved forward are you dating again um and to close up all this like what did this teach you you know i remember a headline back in the day and i only say this like sorry this is going to be harsh but you've probably seen it. it's like how the mighty have fallen like you know you were at the top the people loved you people uh were celebrating you and i still think people love you like i'm not saying they don't like you're not you're not hated mm-hmm. um But you did fall hard, like you fell and were humbled in 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 grand ways. What has all this taught you? Um, This is your story, man. Like this is the crazy part about the in depth. Like we've just gone through most of your story since you were in high school, and there's Mm -hmm. details involved that we've skipped over, and there's things that we didn't talk about, and pains that we we never could approach here. But like your story, in in a in a microcosm, is now here, talked about today. Where are you at?
6: Yeah, um, like I said, it's still in therapy, you know, and I still have my moments. But I am, you know, I I have some trust issues now. But at the same time, like I, I you just got to get to a point where you're like, okay, I need to get back out there. And I, you know, I am dating and I am at least open to um, meeting someone again where I wasn't there for a long time. I think I had a lot of walls up, uh, and I am open to that. Uh, and you know, one of the obvious things I've learned through all of this, you know, is kind of who my who my real friends are and who I can lean on. But then, more importantly, like I think a lot of people, especially my generation, our generation, and you know, the generation um, before, you know, below us, um, we kind of find confidence and find our self love self-love through the eyes of others. And I think I was definitely guilty of that. I think I was someone who, unless you know, I had a people loving me like I wasn't happy with myself or I didn't know who I was and I think this has taught me more to look instead of seeing people seeing myself through other people's eyes um I began to just look in the mirror and you know and find myself that way um and I think that's huge and I hope more people are able to do that especially now with social media and everything you know uh it doesn't matter the amount of likes you have you know or any of that kind of stuff now so that's something I'm grateful for for sure
4: thanks thanks a lot Blake yeah
0: all right well Let's talk about what's making you happy these days. And that is your new career. You're doing a lot of DJing. How did you get into that?
6: <laughs> yeah, so kind of a cool <laughs> So I, obviously, I mean, everybody loves music. and I've always enjoyed, like I said, I was always that guy who wanted to like make people happy at parties and whatnot. And I've always been, I was in college. I was like the DJ at the house. You know, I was always the guy picking the music and things like that. Uh, but Caitlin Bristow, um, and I want to give a shout out to Caitlin and Jason. They were incredible through everything. Um, they were always, you know, called me multiple times, invited me out to see them kind of things. Um, But they, Caitlin, you know, she stuck her neck out for me. And she was like, you know what? I want you to come on my um, live podcast tour. And she was like, I'd love for you to be the DJ. And I kind of like laughed and I was like, okay, like, that's a fun way of like, I'm not breaking contract. I'm not doing the podcast. I'm not doing interviews, anything like that. I can just come and feel the love again, quote unquote, and know that I'm not some kind of villain that everybody hates. Um, And so I'm thankful for her for that. Um, But then when I started kind of DJing and actually buying equipment, I was like, well, I kind of like this. I really enjoy this. This is a lot of fun. I love making people dance and seeing, you know, make people happy. And uh, I got a call from a buddy of mine, um, two buddies, uh, my buddy Eric and DJ Silver. And he was more like, you know, I'm creating a label. Um, We'd love to, you know, kind of have you on it and teach you. It's called Blackout Artists. And it was one of those things where I was like, you know what? i'm at this point in my life where i can do something like this i can do something i'm passionate about and try and make a living out of it and took classes did the whole thing i didn't want to be a press play dj i was like i'm gonna do this if i'm gonna do this i'm gonna do it right and i'll fall in love with it and i've made some um incredible strides in the djing and i've done some pretty big gigs uh and it's so much fun and i love making music and i love remixing a bunch of songs and it's just such a blast one of these days you guys got to come to one of my shows for sure
4: I would love to.
0: Oh, we will. Yeah. We I, will. Will. I was going to say, a... is there anywhere that people can find your tour dates, but I guess they're not. up. Exactly.
6: exactly. I've had a cancel about six dates right now. So that's, that's been really hard. Uh, but yeah, as soon as I get some, some dates on the books, when this all is over, hopefully here soon, um, I'll definitely let everybody know. Cause it's a, it's a good time. It's so much fun.
4: Well, uh, Blake, you've been to bachelor live on stage. You yes. uh, have came out uh, with that. You've came on our podcast um i i your your story is one uh that real life was affected in ways that i think for anybody out there listening uh can understand i mean your life good or bad or people agree or not like they can see that your real life was affected deeply uh by this experience um but you've came out of it uh as you mentioned you have your dj uh uh pursuits uh that will come back in full force once uh, we're able to join together again uh, from ashley and myself thank you for coming on the podcast thank you um for sharing with us now we end every um in-depth podcast um with our guest having thirty to seconds to a minute to just speak into our listeners like you know just these are your fans these are people that are going to love hearing from you uh they've heard a lot from you today but what would you like to close with? Um, it's your moment. Take it. Say whatever you'd like.
6: Okay, hey, actually. So I had a bit of a break. This is because I wanted to get this out there somehow. So I had a bit of a breakthrough the other day in therapy. Um, something pretty cool. We kind of were talking and I had like one of those weird epiphanies. But uh, my therapist, she asked me. She's amazing. She asked me, you know, what is um, – what's your favorite show? And I'm a big friends guy. So I'm a big friends fan, right? So she said, what do uh, – what do you say when somebody's like hey friends sucks you know or what do you know seinfeld's better or something like that and i say you know what i don't feel the need to defend that because i just know they're wrong like i just know they're not that's not the case friends is amazing and you know she made me realize she was like why are you so passionate that people are wrong when they talk about friends but when they talk about the person you are you're not as confident in who you are and i had a bit of an epiphany where i was wait a minute I was like, why am I more passionate about friends being a good sitcom than I am about <laughs> who I am as a person? And, you know, and I think that's something you just got to realize, like people don't know who you are and I need to be just as passionate about myself as I am about friends, you know? And so it's just one of those things where, like I said, you just got to look in to yourself, you know, and who you are rather than getting gratitude from other people. So, yeah. Hopefully that helps someone out there during this quarantine.
4: Thanks, Blake.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's so great. We like to end on a fun note with a couple rapid fire questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, what is the song or artist that gets people most hype when you're DJing?
6: (laughs) (laughs) Blink-182. Ooh,
0: interesting. But I knew it would be early 2000s. I play a lot
6: of rock in my set.
0: Okay, awesome. What are you post-mating during quarantine?
6: I actually had pizza last night. Big, eighteen-inch pizza to myself. Ate it by myself. The
0: whole thing.
6: Uh huh. I can eat. That's a-
0: amazing. I can eat a lot. <laughs> what toppings?
6: Uh, supreme. I love All it. the way. Everything. Yep.
0: We know that you don't slide into anyone's DMs anymore, but who from this past <laughs> season would you, if you could, <laughs> and you like you would allow yourself to do that, which you won't?
6: Uh no, I honestly I so. I did watch the season a little bit and I watch now a little bit differently because I know how things can get taken out, you know, out of context and everything. I just, honestly, I don't know who I would say out of this season. I know that's not the answer you were looking for and I'm terrified of DMS. So
0: (laughs) I figured you would be all right. Who is your man crush from the franchise? The guy that you would trade faces with
6: faces with not Faces. faces.
0: We'll do, we'll do one for life and one for face.
6: Okay, lo- maybe I Maybe even one lives, for swag. Trade lives with Ben Higgins. The man is newly engaged, living <laughs> the dream. He's in love. He's just on top of the world right now.
4: That's right. I am. I, I feel <laughs> pretty good. I've got a great girl. Got a great <laughs> podcast. Got some good guests. Life's good.
6: Tell you what? Yeah. Uh, faces. That's I've never thought about faces. Um, God. I kind of want. Trying to think of somebody with a good beard because my beard's horrible. I want Jason's beard. Maybe Jason's got a good beard, and he's got good hair. We want to shade Jason's head.
4: Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Cool. Good good hair, that's a good choice. Good choice. Good choice. <laughs> Jason's up there for Jared too. Yeah. Um, we've played this game where I know his man crushes of the franchise. <laughs> and then, um, who would you trade swag with? Like, who do, whose swag do you want? Ooh,
6: God. You know, Mike Johnson's got a lot of swag.
0: Okay, yeah, that's a good have answer. To say,
6: Mikey. Yeah, yeah, Mike's got swag.
0: Okay. Lastly, what is the drink of choice while DJing?
6: I'm a tequila. Well, so I try not to drink too much while I DJ, um, but afterwards, a lot of tequila. A lot okay, of tequila. Cool. Tequila guy. Yeah.
0: All right. Awesome. Thank you so much, Blake. You really opened your yes. heart up, and we really appreciate it.
6: Yeah. No. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. The, we uh...
0: feel like every almost famous in-depth pretty much ends with us liking the person even more.
6: <laughs> well, I hope that's the case. <laughs> we we
4: always say, I mean, Ashley and I have said it, like once you hear somebody's story, it's hard to hate them. It is. It, it, it is. just I, is.
6: It, it is. And I'm now, like I said, I watch the show a little differently because I know everybody's got a story, like you said. So.
4: Well, we uh, follow along with our lead. You've been on this before. I think you know what we're about to do here. But thank you for co-hosting this podcast. Uh, thank you, everybody out there listening. Uh, Ashley and I just uh, have really enjoyed Uh, speaking with some of Bachelor Nation's favorites. Uh, It is our pleasure to speak with them. We want to thank them for coming on our podcast. I know it's a very vulnerable moment when you say yes to sitting down with somebody for an hour and a half to two hours and just sharing your life story. Ashley and I don't take that lightly. Uh, We appreciate it. Thank you uh, for sharing your heart with us and the listeners. Uh, This isn't it, though. Ashley and I will be back uh, many times uh, over, uh, probably before this quarantine uh, is completed, uh, speaking with you and to you, uh, about everything Bachelor, our lives, and some of our friends' lives. With that, I've been Ben, I've
0: been Ashley, I've been Blake. Later, guys, bye. <laughs> Thank you.
5: Follow the Ben and Ashley I, almost famous podcast on iHeartRadio, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: Ooh, you do not have to say more to get me into this. To check it out, you can search Smart Money Happy Hour and listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hello!